0: Welcome to The Andy Lowe Show. I'm Andy Lowe, giving you the conversations you never knew you needed to have. And in this episode, we're gonna peruse the news. First up in the news, we have the second coming of Christ. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Mel Gibson is currently in the works of making The Passion of the Christ sequel. I believe the working title at the moment is The Resurrection. And to make this even sweeter Jim Caviezel, who starred in that role so famously, as well as one of my personal favorite movies of all time, Count of Monte Cristo. If you haven't seen that with Jim Caviezel, go out there and watch it, I highly recommend it. It's also got a super young Henry Cavillan, Guy Pearce and Richard Harris. I love Richard Harris. There's some really moving scenes between him and Jim Caviezel within the Count of Monte Cristo. Not necessarily the stronger swordsman wins, it's about speed. Speed of hand, speed of mind. Just so quotable and so memorable. You probably know him as the original Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies, which again, equally, he was fantastic in. I think that Mel Gibson and a co-writer he's working with are playing around with two different scripts going in two very different directions, but the movie is working title, The Resurrection. So therefore, according to Mel, it's going to do a lot about hell and a lot about the transcendence, which I'm super excited for. As we all know, Mel Gibson, as a phenomenal director, what he's able to do on a large scale, big budget movie and condense into something digestible for audiences with a phenomenal story, soundtrack, depth of character, range of cast. It gets me thinking back to when The Passion of the Christ was released. You know how in horror movies, when they actually make horror movies, they always call priests, reverence, vicars, spiritual leaders, or perhaps not spiritual leaders, the Pope himself. <laughs> I'm sure he's got other things to do than be on a movie set. It is well known that they do bless the cast, the crew, and everyone involved in these projects is a lot of the times... A lot of these horror movies are based on real events and real happenings, which I recommend actually, if you've got a spare five minutes, go out there and research for yourself because more often than not, the real events are actually way more scarier than the horror movies. Okay, during the filming of The Passion of Christ, there were so many spiritual signs that were happening to the cast and crew on set. There were people converting to Christianity. During the filming part of the Sermon on the Mount, He was actually struck by lightning and what only a couple of members of the crew saw it happen but they saw what there appeared to be a halo shine above him Now this is coming from Jim Caviezel not from me if things happen in the negative way when you're filming about dark entities dark stories poltergeist demonic entities as well it's fucking so many entities it would also makes sense that it happens when you're filming about the other side, the light side, the good side, the spiritual side, the path, the way. Too many coincidences to ignore. I don't believe in coincidence. I only believe in the illusion of coincidence. But go out there, check it out for yourself. I really do recommend watching The Passion of the Christ. It is emotional, whether you're religious or non-religious. For a person, a man, obviously for some people, the son of God, to go through what he went through and to be that, tortured and that inflicted for his beliefs is noteworthy on absolutely every level especially in this day and age now where apathy is on the rise by tenfold we're becoming more and more disorientated and disenfranchised and disillusioned with the world and the communities around us i think a story like this can just give us a little bit of ray of hope in our lives i think it's needed so go out there watch passion of the christ and start to get really excited for the resurrection because hopefully we can see it by this year or at least early next year. Next up, we have Tommy Fury defeats Logan Paul in a split decision in Saudi Arabia boxing match. So what happened here then? Tommy Fury, 23 years old, carrying the Fury name on his back with so much pressure that if he lost to Jake Paul, a mere YouTuber and Disney Channel actor, What would happen to the Fury name? Would Tommy Fury tarnish it? Would he be left in Saudi Arabia by his family? Probably none of those things. But it definitely would have caused insult to injury. And from what I hear from Tommy's camp, he's been berated for the last two years because of two pullouts. One was because he had a broken rib. And secondly, he couldn't get a visa into America to do the the boxing match. But they went to Saudi Arabia, got it done, and it was a split decision. It shouldn't have been a split decision. Tommy really wasn't in much danger, to be honest, and it was kind of a glorified sparring match in terms of I don't think Tommy wanted to risk too much. He stuck to the fundamentals, stuck behind his jab, and to be fair, he's fast. He's got a good one too, and he's got, I would say, somewhat decent fundamentals and footwork. He doesn't have an amateur record to fall back on. What he doesn't have in that, he has with an amazing camp around him, especially his brother, Tyson Fury. Can you get any better than the lineal champion of the world, the WBC champion, the guy that dethroned Deontay Wilder in his reign of terror? To quote Tyson Fury, I don't think there's a man born from his mother that can beat him. The dude is a monster and something I don't know for however many decades we'll ever see again. So what did Jake say? I think Jake was massively underwhelmed by his own performance. And when you give so much into promoting a fight, it can take away and kind of put more pressure on yourself to perform during the fight. Can you imagine if this was like sex? <laughs> you would have, you talk the big talk for years on end. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's going to be like this. You're going to feel like that. I'm going to be like here. You're going to be like there. And you built so much pressure on that you best perform like Hercules in the Colosseum in the bedroom because there's no two ways about it. When you build something up that much, it's gonna be some disappointment. Whereas if you come in a little bit humble, a little bit unknown, I don't mean into the bedroom, I mean in boxing now, you're gonna surprise the fans, but they wanna sell pay-per-view and put answers in seats. So that's what they've gotta do. Okay, so what does this tell us? We've got some things to unpack here. Firstly, Can't take anything away from Jake Paul. He beat Anderson Silva. Okay, Anderson was 50, but he's still Anderson Silva. He beat Tyrone Woodley. Okay, Tyrone Woodley had retired again. He's still Tyrone Woodley. And these aren't just scrubs from the street. They are professional ex-UFC champions and fighters who have a long distinguished career. They're not just nobody. So that in itself is massive accolades to Jake Paul, who's only been boxing for three years. Okay, he's probably had amazing camps and the best training and sparring partners, but he's still got to go in there and walk the walk. Big question is at the end of this, is Jake Paul a boxer? Yes, I believe he is. I believe he is a boxer and that's the line I'm gonna stand on. Now there's many different levels to boxing, yeah? I'm not saying he's the upper echelons here, but I do believe he's a boxer and I think him and Tommy Fury both prove they are boxers. Are they world champions? I can't see it. I can't see Tommy Fury ever being a world champion. He's still super young. There's a good 10 years in him before we can really say, okay, it's never gonna happen now. I just don't see Tommy Fury. I don't see the same hunger in him, especially as he's not that active. Like I said, a lot of people at 23 years old by now, boxers this is would have a good amateur pedigree to go into, to catapult them into the professional. And because of the Fury name, people are gonna want a piece of him. And a lot of people are gonna be headhunting him because they want that on their resume and on their record. More power to both of them. They both put on a somewhat wrestling match in moments. And it got a bit weird when midway through the fight, one of the commentators was interviewing Logan Paul over the uh, over the speakers so everyone could hear it. And then... <laughs> It's like a WWE match. (laughs) Got a bit hokey pokey, but they brought it back. And thankfully, both men in um, victory and defeat were humble. And they said their good graces and they were very respectful, which is always nice to see at the end of it. Quick side note, though. Slightly related, unrelated. Tommy Fury has had a kid with his wife. He didn't give birth. His wife did. It's, It's three weeks old and it's a little baby girl. They call the baby girl Bambi. I hear everyone, oh, it's a lovely name. It's a brilliant name. They've got so much merchandise with Disney and Bambi. I thought Bambi was a boy. I I don't want to pick peanuts out of poo here. But I think Bambi, if I remember rightly, grows up to be a stag. And this is a coming of age story. Now, is it wrong to call the little girl Bambi? No, but something just didn't sit well with me on that note. I was like, yeah, read a book, guys. Back to more movie news, Ant-Man 3, how's it doing? Ant-Man 3 and the quantum solace realm-ish, yeah, whatever long-winded ass title they want to make out is somewhat grandiose and epic, is bombing, is bombing hard. I think it dropped about 71% in the second or third week at the box office, which needless to say is a huge drop. This is to be expected. I've talked about this in previous episodes, but superhero fatigue does anyone give a shit about Ant-Man shrinking down and fighting some sort of miniature battle done it's finished I don't know when they're gonna just chalk this off and move on to something else but that whole superhero franchise they bled it (laughs) bled it absolutely dry to the bone you couldn't extract anything more from that and to be honest they need to learn lessons from this I need to go back to the drawing board and start thinking about movies, entertainment. Now for something slightly on the heavier side. A record number of dolphins have washed up on French beaches. This is sad to report, guys. 370 dolphins have died and been found dead on the Gulf of Gastonies between the 1st of December and the 25th of January. God. Where do we begin with something like this? I want to peruse the news and I want to find something that is fucking exciting. But instead, when you come across a story like this, it does need reporting. It could be avoided and this is all due to fishing nets. Scientists say the figure is the tip of the iceberg and that dolphins becoming tangled in fishing gear is the main cause of death. Well, when you stick loads of fishing fucking traps down there, what do you think was gonna happen? The poor little buggers are just swimming around trying to catch some fish, just like you. Apart from the differences, these are highly intelligent animals that have no choice but to hunt for fish. There just needs to be more actions taken about the type of seasons they can fish in, where it's best to fish away from dolphins and whales and these beautiful creatures. Instead, it's just, again, no fucking fucks given. Last year, 669 dolphins were found dead on the French beaches, most from mid-December to early April during the hack and sea bass fishing season. Well, isn't that fucking charming? Oh, it just pisses me off when you read stories like this, because at the end of the day, we're a little bit powerless, but we can spread awareness and we can take it upon ourselves to do what we can do to help this, which is essentially oust people from being balanced. Now, I understand people got to make a living during fishing and it's more, the story is a little bit more complicated and nuanced than what I'd have for you believe just because I don't know everything. It's sad to read these stories because my understanding, a dolphin's brain actually has more emotional capabilities than a human brain, which means they can experience even more complex emotions than a human can and to a heightened degree. So take a beautiful animal like that and let's be honest, we have no idea about its intelligence and its intelligence shouldn't affect our ethical stance and then tangle it up in a net and just watch it squirm and then die. Brilliant, fucking cracking. Not to mention that dolphins, they actually have different dialects within different pods. So one pod around the world is gonna speak a slightly different dolphin dialect than the other. I mean, that's just crazy and amazing. I just hate for our, our children's children to grow up one day and there's just fuck all animals left apart from a pigeon and shits everywhere and a seagull which shits again everywhere. So let's hop back to the movies. And what's new at the movies? Warner Brothers have got a giant fucking erection. The Lord of the Rings. It's happening, guys. It's happening. There's gonna be a new Lord of the Rings movie. And hold on, I know what you're thinking. It's not that crap, The Rings of Power, which was spewed out from the Amazon juggernaut movie TV making machine, which evidently they really got the rights to as soon as Christopher Tolkien, which was J.R.R. Tolkien's son, died. The very next day, the Tolkien estate sold a lot of the rights to Amazon, a book company. And I don't want to judge too harshly of Amazon because they have made one or two good shows, but this was certainly not it. This was a far cry from a good show. So much so I could barely get through a trailer of the Rings of Power and they put in a billion dollars. And it's just, (laughs) it's gonna be even more seasons which no one's gonna watch, especially not me. So anyway, let's get back to it. Warner Brothers, they made the original Lord of the Rings trilogy with obviously Peter Jackson who did so much for New Zealand. Did you even know that New Zealand existed until Peter Jackson was like, oh, that's where we filmed it, beautiful locations. Everyone's like, wow, there's a place like that on Earth? And it's not surrounded in litter or loads of seagulls shitting everywhere? Yeah, it is, go there. Oh, yeah, let's go there. No, it's way too far away. It's like 15, 17-hour flight. But anyway, it did bring a lot of eyeballs to the country, I will be behind this for a new movie of Lord of the Rings if it's helmed up by Peter Jackson again, and if there is minimal CGI in it, like the original three, The Hobbit, that trilogy. No, there was so much CGI, so much green screen, and so many fake bad guys. You wanted to see a real bad guy, something which was tangible, like the Urukai, And they felt scary, and they felt powerful, and they felt dangerous. Didn't feel like just another throwaway monster CGI battle. Actually had something there. So I will be behind it if Peter Jackson is on board. If they stick to the true law and they do a very good job in terms of encapsulating what Peter Jackson did the first time around. Which was essentially stealing lightning from the sky and sticking it in a bottle. Because he couldn't do that the second time with The Hobbit. Although I don't mind The Hobbit it's still a much diluted, weaker version. I think there was a lot of interference from the production companies which attributed to that. However, I'm going to end on that good note. So I will keep you updated on all of these news. I've been Andy Lowe. You've been great. See you in the next episode.